Sometime here or there, and it's crazy. I did. I bought who uh, kawaii wood from or Kiowa wood, or yeah. whatever, to make this huli huli chicken. That's whatever. You got to have the specific wood. So I bought it. They had to fly it in, and uh, because that's the only place you can get it. Lost my mic. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it, t- it said a week to get it. It, it showed up uh, three days early. Well, what are you bragging? Not just oh. yeah, just rubbing. Well, my it. table's taking twelve weeks. I'm just too. saying it could show up like in the middle of this interview. Well, you never, you it's never know, hey. bro. There's like another 12 weeks of here. And, you know, I posted this on LinkedIn. A lot of people who work in the furniture supply chain, I mean, they were telling us what we already knew, that yeah. there's a big backlog. That's that's the reason behind yeah, sure. furniture particularly sure. impacted. But what are you going to do? There's always someone who chimes in like, well, I bought a couch down the street. Well, that's fine. But, like, the one I needed. The one, yeah, the one you needed was, like, made out of wood, which is yeah. hard to get right now, too. Can I come over and sit yeah. on your couch? Sure. Oh, no. I mean, like, the person that oh. people are saying. Those I- people. Gotcha. I can All make right. a really small one out of my Kiowa wood. <laughs> hey, let's tell you something. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships throughout standing customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell Them Dude. Oh, newlegendinc.com. Go there immediately after the show. Ooh, now we'll find out if Harrison has our bumpers loaded. Let's hit the headlines. Do, 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 do. Apparently dun, not. Dun, dun, okay, dun. headline one. LAX cargo handlers charged with pilfering gold bars. From a hundred and twelve million dollar shipment, and these guys are like the Keystone Cops of these, right? Yeah, yeah. These guys, uh, they know what they're doing. Eric Coolish reported <laughs> this, and he called it a heist on Twitter. I don't know if you could. It's kind of a stretch, but yeah. Two employees of the cargo handling company Alliance Ground International. They worked at Los Angeles International Airport. They're arrested Tuesday morning on charges of stealing some gold bars. And here's what happened: the guys are Marlon Moody, he's thirty eight years old. Brian Benson, he's thirty five. They're both of South Los Angeles. FBI agents cracked into him, busted him for two counts of conspiracy and theft of interstate foreign shipments. Uh, what happens here? Yeah, so uh, it appears that it all started when a Brinks truck miscounted the number of crates of gold bars that they had, right? So like one guy just, yeah, I think I counted four, something like that. So they left an entire box of gold bars there, right? So the indictment alleges that Moody found the missing box of gold bars near a Singapore Airlines cargo warehouse the following morning placed it on a belt loader, drove the vehicles near the Korean air cargo warehouse. Uh Then he took four bars out, put them in his vest. uh, And then uh, Benson arrived to pick up Moody in a cargo van, during which time they reportedly exchanged text messages about the gold bars because there were other employees in this bank. Yeah, he said, that's big money, LOL. (laughs) I need to take a closer look. So he brings his buddy in. Moody, he gave one gold bar to a relative as well, and he directed the family member to either exchange the gold bars for vehicles (laughs) Or for money, according yeah. to indictment, he then allegedly buried the remaining two gold bars in the backyard of his residence, sort of like Hurley. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Mo? What was his name? Mo? Mo. <laughs> well, the FBI recovered all four gold bars after two weeks of looking of for course. them. They were missing. Alliance said it terminated the employees. I wonder if Brinks terminated the other guys. Yeah, probably, or bought him a calculator or something. I, 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 I mean, obviously, these guys aren't hardened criminals. They're like, well, I what mean, do we do with these? I don't know, buy a car or something. It seems like you, <laughs> make, that, you make that wrong split decision, you start going down. It's like Fargo or something. You find the bag of money on the side of the road, yeah. and next thing you know, there's like the government's after you, and yeah. like a rogue mob of uh, people uh, looking for their gold No bars. country for old men, too, right? How much do you think you get in jail for something? Uh, I mean, these guys had have been like, dude, just give it back. Don't do this anymore. But I, I would know, say a couple so. years, maybe uh, 15 max. Well, OK, max. but they haven't been sent. They haven't been sent. I yeah, mean, once they get in front of the judge, they realize he's a bunch of ding dongs who said, hey, yeah. I found something. Let's do something. It's hey, not like they didn't uncover the ring. We're starting to report more and more of these uh, trucking companies shut down among Canada's largest since the pandemic began. Nate Tavak reports a heavily indebted Canadian trucking company has shut down after a court appointed trustee. Assumed control of the Calgary, Alberta-based cat, uh, carrier and terminated all 131 employees and contractors. Most of them were drivers, unfortunately. Yeah, People's Express Transport, which specialized in hauling produce and meat in Western Canada and in U.S., ceased operations April 22nd, the day that the judge placed the carrier into receivership under Canada's Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. It had a fleet of about 150 trucks and owed, uh, what, uh, $12.2 million in Canadian dollars, right? $10.1 million in, America, in uh, U.S., uh, according to the court documents filed in the court of Queens bench, Alberta. Yeah. Well, there's no saying that, you know, you got a company, a million dollars is only a lot of money if you owe. Yeah. And 10 million, obviously a ton of money if you owe. Is <laughs> a ton of money if you owe. Well, right? they, they're saying that the bank effectively held a gun to their head, so they couldn't even pay back their, their creditors. They said, you know, we were trying to make this thing happen. Um, people expressed they attempted to secure an emergency 30-day delay from a court-ordered um, receivership, but they said no, and that's it. It's it. It's kaput. Yeah, they didn't even give them a chance, and that was that was it. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I wonder how that works in Canada. I mean, it's different in Canada, I suppose. I guess so. Um, here's pretty cool. Here's this is an interesting story, and I'm hearing more and more about people starting up side hustles, especially during the, the pandemic. Yeah, people are looking for tools to compete with the Amazons of the world, enhance their Shopify stores. Right. By the way, Figs Figs IPO yesterday, and I think they might be one of the first companies that are built on the Shopify platform who have IPO. They make like. Um, like healthy living type of apparel and things like oh, that. Oh, okay. Figs. Yeah. Well, now ShipBob is making it even easier. Brian Strait, uh, he reports that it's now an official shipping and fulfillment partner. ShipBob is now an official shipping and fulfillment partner of Walmart marketplaces, giving small and medium-sized businesses new options for fulfilling e-commerce or orders within that critical two business days that consumers yeah, that, That's right. The cloud-based logistics platform is now able to fulfill orders for marketplace sellers with free two-day shipping. ShipBob will continue as a third-party logistics provider capable of fulfilling orders outside of Walmart's two-day delivery program. Sure. And more and more important, and this is coming up more and more often, is uh, carbon offsets, right? We started our oh, own yeah. FCI carbon emissions. You know, that was part of the, you saw the article about the $16 million that Credit Waves raised. Part yeah. of that was to fuel our own carbon intelligence tools. Shippers are in dire need for this stuff. They're reaching out to everybody. Well, ShipBob also offers a carbon offset program for e-commerce orders. The company works with Pachema to provide 100% carbon neutral options for brands using the ShipBob platform. Super cool. So now you can start tracking those shipping. So the nice thing now is the playing field's leveling a little bit. So before you had to be a much bigger company to deal in the two-day shipment, to deal in these new demands that everyone's offering. Yes. Like freight tech, carbon tech, all these things coming together. To really help the little guy start that hustle. Yeah, and to start that hustle, but it also helps you proliferate the entire 
the whole community and get them involved, right? Oh, yeah. So you get much more participation in things like offsetting carbon footprints yeah. and being able to uh, get that two-day delivery. Like hey, you know what, know what I'm excited <laughs> to hear from? I'm excited to hear from NASA. We've got a couple of guests from them today. We've got Cliff Latham. He's the CEO, Senior Vehicle Operations Manager, Exploration Ground Systems at NASA. And Lily Villarreal, she's the Spacecraft and Offline Operations Manager at NASA. And they deal, like here in the Tennessee River, we see barges all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're slow moving, they're slow cruising. But you think about rockets, right? And if you saw a show on Monday, you yeah. them those pictures. We went to Huntsville, to the NASA. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. You saw the Saturn V. Yeah. Gigantic. Massive. Enormous. How do you move something like that? I have figured you built it on on site. Well, I did too. They, I mean, we have a little spoiler. We saw some acid. So they're moving these things on barges. Actually, it's a custom-built barge. It's really cool. Whoa. Let's bring them up. We'll talk Whoa, to them about that. There's actually the barge right now. Let's take, we'll take a look at that video in a minute. Let's bring the guests on up. We'll, we'll have a conversation with them about this. Or maybe we're still... Oh, oh here they are. are. All right. Awesome. Hey, Cliff. Hey, Lily. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> how you guys doing? Hey, Cliff, uh, introduce yourself real quick to the audience here. Okay, my name's Cliff Lanham. I'm the uh, Senior Vehicle Operations Manager here at Kennedy Space Center for the Exploration Ground Systems Program. So my job is generally uh, overall management, planning, integration uh, for the operations, for the uh, basically getting the SLS and Orion spacecraft uh, ready for launch. That seems like a lot of responsibility. Uh, Lily, how about yourself? Do you have it a little bit easier over there at NASA? Well, I mean, like you said, it's a really big job. It's a lot of responsibility, and I'm really kind of his deputy. And um, so I'm the EGS flow manager, and my responsibility is to make sure that, you know, everything is ready to support all of the assembly, testing, and launching of this vehicle. Now, I have to assume, because whenever Vince and I talk about this, we're talking to NASA. NASA doesn't seem like the kind of job you fall into. It seems sort of like a dream come true. Yeah. And in your bio, you said the coolest part of your job is being part of history in the making. Eventually, we will get to Mars. We will look back and know that this is where it all started and we were a part of it. Well, you have to be excited right now. So much of that is coming to fruition with Ingenuity flying around, with the with the rover up on Mars, with SpaceX getting involved. Heck, you even have Amazon with Blue Origin. You have Virgin getting involved. You have the public caring more than ever about the space program. So is the, is it? are you living the dream right now, Lily? Oh my goodness. I, this is the most exciting time right now in the aerospace industry. Um, and I've been in the industry for over 20 years and it's amazing to see everything that's going on, not just in this program, but in the other areas that NASA does. Um, it, it's just amazing. And I, I feel so lucky to be part of the Artemis mission, which eventually is, you know, our deep space exploration type uh, door to get, eventually get to Mars. I mean, I, I that's just amazing. Yeah, it absolutely is. I read in there that you, you when you were like, I think, 10 years old, you visited the uh, the Space Center there and were amazed and wanted this. You would love space ever since there. So congratulations for that. It's got to be really, really cool. Now, the SLS, this monster piece of rocket that oh, yeah. we're watching and we saw on this barge and stuff like that. Tell us what that is. It's the most powerful rocket. Is that right? Yeah, That's right. Uh, uh, SLS and Orion together were, yeah. are basically, uh, oh, I'm sorry, was that for Lily? No, yeah, so, I mean, it's the most powerful rocket, uh, will be the most powerful rocket ever launched. Um, so it, it's the backbone of our, our space program. Uh, it's going to get us to the moon and eventually on to Mars. So um, it's it's very impressive to see uh, just one, you know, just the core stage that came on the, on the barge that you're seeing there is uh, 212 feet long. So it's the largest rocket stage ever built. 
and uh, it, it'll be the most powerful. So um, it's really exciting. Uh, the boosters are already stacked and uh, waiting the core stage to arrive, which, you know, it has. We're working on it right now and getting ready to do the mating operation that'll uh, really uh, get the rocket uh, well on its way to be in final, you know, into the final assembly and ready for launch. You know, you can just take a look at that and it, you don't have, NASA doesn't have the luxury that most shippers do where you go, I need a 20 foot container, I need a 40 <laughs> foot container. You have to custom build all of this stuff. I believe the Pegasus itself is a custom built, one of its, one of its kind barge. I imagine all, many of the things within that building over there have to be custom built as well. Tell us a little bit about that Pegasus barge though. What's so unique about it? This can go to Cliff or Lily, I guess whomever knows a little bit more about it. So the uh, Pegasus bar, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Lily. <laughs> well, he's probably going to say the same thing. The Pegasus barge was actually the same barge that we used to transport the external tank for shuttle. It actually went through modification to extend it and make it larger um, to be able to house the entire uh, core stage that we have here. And um, it went through uh, significant upgrades. Um, Cliff and I got a chance to really have an amazing um, evaluation and tour of the Pegasus badge when it was here. And, um, you know, it was pretty uh, that the whole the whole barge is an incredible system, um, what it can do in, in how it transports the entire vehicle here. I don't know if Cliff, if you want to add anything else. No, I would just, um, only thing I would add is, you know, it was the barge used um, at the end of shuttle to bring the external tanks, fuel tanks to Kennedy. And what they did was they ended up uh, cutting out a very large 110 foot section of it and um, adding in an additional 50 feet. Um, so it's 50 feet longer. So it's over 300 feet long and just in order to carry uh, the single core stage. Yeah. So 900 miles, but 900 miles this thing has to travel. Barges don't move that quick. Maybe a NASA rocket-powered one, one may. Where, <laughs> does the journey, where does the journey start, and how long does it take to get there? So it, it starts up in uh, Stennis, Mississippi, uh, for this particular delivery. Um, they finished up testing on the core stage. They loaded it up on the barge. And then it's about a six-day journey uh, to go the 900 miles. Um, they come out of uh, the Mississippi River area into the Gulf of Mexico. And then they come all the way down around the uh, southern tip of Florida and back up the East Coast into Kennedy Space Center. So, again, it's roughly a six-day trip. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's that's uh, kind of impressive there. <laughs> and then it gets out. So, you know, the, the, the launch is coming up here, right? And we're watching this incredible project. So, Cliff, where do you fit in? What is, what is, your, what is your position there? What are you doing? So what I'm doing is um, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, basically monitoring how the assembly integration and uh, eventually the testing of the rocket is going. Um, we're, we're Every day we're adjusting our schedules, uh, making sure we're getting as much work as possible done on any given day. Uh, we're dealing with the problems. Um, when you're doing a new rocket like this, uh, we do encounter problems. Um, so it's all about working through those problems. But on a day-to-day -day basis uh, between Lily and I, we're, we're kind of managing team that's uh, ultimately responsible for getting the entire rocket assembled and ready for launch. Mm -hmm. Well, and then Lily, what do you do here? Um, really, uh, 
So just like Cliff talked, our responsibility is to make sure that the people are ready to do the operations. The paper that we use to do the work is ready to go and the parts are ready and the fly hardware is ready. So I help Cliff do all, pretty much all that, orchestrate the entire uh, schedule to make sure that we are doing it, um, you know, remove constraints, help people figure out, uh, you know, what, a, what it is that they need to make sure that we meet the next milestone. And so, um, I help Cliff do a lot of the down and in to make sure that we continue to move forward in our milestone progression. It's amazing stuff, you know, Lily. So you, you talk about milestones and hitting these milestones, right? And marrying the two together inside that massive building is a huge milestone, right? But some of them that we think in our transportation industry, just moving a piece of freight across the yard is not a huge milestone. I'm watching something move down a road and, and navigate turns into that building. How many people does it take to do that, getting it off the barge, and how long does that take just from the barge into the building? Oh, it really actually takes a lot of people. I would say about 20 to 30 people who um, are responsible for making sure that they move uh, the core stage vehicle out of the barge. And then the barge it's, uh, people themselves are supporting us because the barge have to be um, ballast to make sure that, you know, as we move the weight off the barge, the barge stayed as level as possibly could. Uh, we have a whole team that's responsible for moving um, the core stage uh, via these um, self-propelled Self-Propelled Modular Transporters, SPMT. We talk in acronyms here in NASA. So they're responsible for making to, to move the entire vehicle and they have to do them, um, you know, together. And so that's quite uh, a dance move. And, um, and then when kind of what you saw in the video, we have the segment of the of course stage, the end is coming out of the barge. And we actually have to do a three-point turn to turn the whole entire barge ready to go inside uh, the vehicle assembly building, which is the orientation that we needed because our next milestone is to lift the entire core stage off of those transportation devices and actually rotate it up and then um, stack it on top of the vehicle. So it is a big team of, of people doing that whole entire transport. Wow, you ever pull like a Suez Canal and block the entire waterway? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine not. That so, would look, be bad. Been, <laughs> well, guys, we're talking about we're talking about this core stage a lot. So, give us some context. What will this core stage do ultimately? I know it's part of the Artemis One launch. So, let's get a little bit into that. How does the core stage fit in, and what is that Artemis launch? I guess we'll jump to you, Cliff. Yeah. So, the core stage again is the backbone of the rocket. Um, you know, again, it's the uh, it's it's primarily the first stage here. Um, it has four large engines, um, basically shuttle era engines that are attached to it. Uh, to give you some uh, context of how much fuel, cryogenic fuels, there's uh, about a half a million gallons of liquid hydrogen and a couple hundred thousand gallons of liquid oxygen on it. So when it launches, um, there's a lot of fuel on it. It's it's going really fast. About eight minutes it burns and really uh, it gets up to about Mach 23, uh, 17,000 miles per hour in that eight minutes. Um, and it really uh, sets the stage for getting you into um, Earth orbit in order to be able to then uh, do the next burn, which takes you on to the moon. So um, it really is the centerpiece of the rocket in terms of um, getting us onto the moon. Uh, that's amazing. It might yeah. even be faster than your Cybertruck you have on order. So is that it? Artemis 1, the, the purpose is to get to the moon, right? Are we taking hardware to the moon or what are we doing here? What is the, what is the Artemis 1 mission? So Artemis 1 is a test flight, essentially. No astronauts will be on the rocket. 
uh, we'll be sending the Orion spacecraft out around the moon, and it'll uh, go further than the Apollo uh, era astronauts or the spacecraft did, you know, in terms of its orbit around the moon. But it's all a test flight, really, to uh, shake out the SLS as well as the Orion spacecraft. Uh, check out all the systems um, for Orion as it's orbiting the moon over uh, many weeks. And then uh, ultimately bring it back um, for splashdown. And part of that will be, uh, again, testing the heat shield and uh, systems on Orion in order to make sure they're they're good. And then uh, the Artemis II mission will be flying astronauts. So um, that'll be a, a really big deal for us. You know what's kind of striking to me, too, is I was mentioning before you guys came on, I, I took my kids and my wife to, to Huntsville to the rocket center over there. And the great thing about the Rocket Center over there is they have this, um, well, they have a Saturn V standing up. Yeah. The thing is massive. You really have to see it in person to appreciate it. But they also have a, a hangar building there where each core stage is separate. And oh, wow. what's and I actually have that Lego. That Lego is the first one that I really knew about these core stages that break out. It's completely fascinating looking. But I guess my question is, has rocket technology changed that much since the 1960s? Because some of the things we're talking about here sound very similar to what I just saw in Huntsville. Uh, so, uh, well, I'll, I'll tackle it. I'll tackle it as best I can. Um, you know, uh, avionics-wise, I would say probably on the electronics side is probably where um, you get a lot of difference. And the computers, right? Um, computers now are are smaller, more powerful. So, uh, from that respect, um, I would say it's definitely uh, the technology has increased uh, tremendously. Um, as far as the engines. Um, I really can't speak to, you know, all the differences between a current engine and an Apollo era engine. Um, but uh, the bottom line is they're all really, really powerful and um, got the job done. And we will get the job done with this rocket. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Now, Cliff, we saw pictures of uh, uh, some of the pictures are the traditional, I guess it says traditional passing of the baton to you right there oh. as it's coming off of the barge. Is that a tradition that is there? And and I suspect uh, you, you're accepting that baton, but Lily, you're making sure the baton's going where it's supposed to go, right? Is that what's happening? Go ahead. Yep, Lily. that's correct. So, so yeah. it, it's, it's a uh, tradition that we do when one center or one a program uh, turns over the hardware to the next uh, the next program or or, or the next uh, um, you know center. They do a baton thing. We did the same things similar with the space station. Um, and it's always a fun thing to pass the baton. And so now we have the baton and yeah, our job is to make sure that we hand the baton next and our baton is going next to the launch director who's responsible for launching the rocket. And so, uh, we have a milestone and a date that we need to hand that baton to. And, you know, that's what our job is to make sure that we meet that. Well, you know, NASA is a lot like Freight Waves TV. Yeah. You know, sometimes we go on air in a new studio with a new setup and we have no idea if it's going to work or not. That's until right. <laughs> we get live and we just, you know, cross our fingers mm -hmm. hope it does. But it can get a little tense before we get on air. For NASA, you guys are doing things all the time you haven't done before. A lot of money at stake. A lot of, maybe not jobs at stake, but uh, sometimes lives at stake when people oh, are in yeah. these rockets. Yeah. Is it a super tense environment? Because NASA people, every time you guys come on, you seem so free and loose. <laughs> So what I would say is, um, you know, there, it is a first time for launch, but what goes on behind before you ever get that far is a lot of testing. Uh, you know, the core stage engines have been fired. They were fired for a full, full flight duration um, not that long ago before it shipped here to KSE. Um, so mm. there is a lot of testing that gives you confidence that things are going to work. 
Um, but again, you know, as we put the rocket together, we run into problems every day that we work our way through. But uh, really, you know, NASA is all about testing and making sure, um, you know, test like you fly is, is kind of the motto um, that we like to follow to make sure that uh, come launch day, everything's going to work as expected. Yeah, yeah. No shortcuts during testing. So, uh, Lily, what's the what's the next step? It's there. It's it's in the building. How do you get it assembled? How does that happen? So the next step is actually what's coming up, and that is for us to, um, you know, we did some work uh, before we go stack the vehicle to the, the solid rocket boosters, which are already stacked and ready to accept the core stage. Um, we're finishing up the work that we needed to go do that um, came from um, the post-green uh, run activities that just got done in Mississippi and we have to prepare the core stage for the actual mating operations for the booster. So we're almost at the end of that operational flow and our next milestone is to stack the actual core stage onto the mobile launcher and the solid rocket boosters. Um, once we do that, um, you know, we're going to connect to the vehicle, power it up and then uh, um, install the next uh, components that go uh, on top of that core stage. And so, you know, one milestone at a time, and we are really looking forward to this milestone. This is a huge one for us. It seems like there's a lot planned. I, Cliff, I couldn't help but notice that the name of this flight is kind of a giveaway today, Mr. Rocket, the Artemis One. So I, ha I would have to assume that there's more plans. So let's say mission accomplished. This thing goes perfectly. It goes smoothly. What's the next progression from here? So uh, next progression will be flying astronauts on Artemis Two. And um, ultimately, we'll be getting boots on the moon, um, you know, after uh, Artemis 2. You know, again, Artemis 2 is a test flight with the astronauts. Um, Artemis 3 and 4, the agency is still figuring out exactly um, how that will all play out and what the payloads and what the uh, objectives of the missions will be. But uh, eventually, it's to build a sustainable architecture around the moon, on the moon, um, and then ultimately to be able to take us on to Mars. That is awesome. So, you know, we were talking about this before. When you look at the, the video there and you see the building in the background, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what that building is, is actually called. I guess yeah. it's, it's the assembly building, I guess. Yeah, right there, that thing there. When you see it in the video, you can't appreciate exactly how big that is until you get certain specific angles where you can actually see a person sitting out of that. Who, how big is that building? And can I actually parachute inside that thing and land safely? <laughs> well, let me, um, you spoke about seeing the Saturn V building, right? I mean, the yeah. Saturn mock-up of the Saturn V, actual, you know, a real size mock-up. The Saturn V, this building was built to fit the Saturn V building. And our vehicle is actually sized to the doors of that uh, vehicle assembly building. Um, so it is the tallest building. Um, and, and it's actually amazing when you go inside and look up um, how tall it is. Uh, no, you can't parachute off of it. Um, you're not the first one to ask us off of it. Uh, okay. Ask us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Lily, uh, we, we're, we're getting near time, the end of time. So whenever we have NASA people on, we like to give some advice to the audience, especially oh, yeah, students yeah. listening. Please. You had some advice in your bio that you give to students. Can you, can you share with us what, what that is? And maybe that's modified a little bit um, since you've been working at NASA for longer. So what would your advice to students be or people or to people who want to get involved with NASA? Um, you know, a lot of the advice I give is, you know, yeah, don't do something unless you really love it, right? Um, you know, because you, if you love your job, it's an easy, it becomes easy. 
Um, and I mean, I honestly love what I'm doing. It is hard, but I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, another thing for, for people who want to really be um, in, in the field of aerospace, I mean, really, especially young children or, or people who are, you know, in middle school or high school, I really I encourage you to take a lot of the STEM type classes, you know, math, um, um, sciences, physics, and, um, and see if you really enjoy it. And if you really want to come work for NASA, um, you know, try to, to um, either get an internship with one of our contractors or an internship with NASA. Um, that's really um, a great uh, path for people to come into our industry. And it's really an exciting time right now in the aerospace industry with all the companies that are supporting NASA or doing their own commercial um, aerospace um, type projects. So a um, lot of opportunity right now. Chris, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, I tell you what inspired me was watching the Apollo landing, some of the later ones in the early seventies. And, uh, it always stuck with me and, um, ultimately went to college, uh, with, got an engineering degree and, um, right out of college started in with, um, at Goddard Space Flight Center, working on Hubble telescope servicing missions. And, uh, you know, that was exciting. And, and, you know, just to be a part of that and now a part of this, um, yeah, you, you can make it happen. You got to work hard. And um, but there's a lot of opportunities. And like Lily said, um, it's a great time in the aerospace industry, um, particularly the space industry, with all the commercial companies that are uh, supporting what NASA is doing, as well as doing their own thing. Excellent stuff. And Cliff, now for the hard hitting question that's on the mind of every one of our listeners. Yeah. I know it's on Duner's mind. It's on mine. I saw 60 Minutes. Uh, yeah. Should, dude, I mean, seriously, Cliff, you, you're the man who knows. Should we really be worried about all this talk about UFOs and what's going on? <laughs> I, I, all I will say is I have not personally seen one, but, uh, you know, that's up for you to decide. <laughs> that's it. Sounds like the answer we get from everybody. They're always, They're always covering that. it up. They're always covering. We asked Terry Brooks that about a few months ago, and he's like, "I got to get up and get a cough drop." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think this is part of like, the game. They're like, "Hey, we love people who want to follow this mission, though. They want they want to see the launch. They want to they want to keep track of it. Where should we send them to?" Uh, NASA.gov is an amazing website and you should be able to find everything you need to know about the Artemis mission. Um, they'll have links to uh, a lot of our media events and stuff and a, a, lot, a lot of videos and um, encourage everybody NASA.gov. Also, um, NASA has great Instagram, um, you know, Twitter and uh, Facebook type pages. So um, just keep up with it um, through social media also. Yeah, no, if, if you haven't followed NASA's social media in a while or gone to NASA's YouTube channel, yeah. they have full broadcast studios now. Oh, Your yeah. social media really understands how modern social media is done. It's fun. It's informative. It's engaging. It's great. Check it out. We look forward to having uh, the NASA team back next month. But thank you again for joining us. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. And good luck with the launch. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Take it easy. See you. All right, again... Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and its West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at Tell Them, dude. Ooh, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Hey, let's check out a video that's going to tell a little bit about what our next segment was about. Roll the tape. Oh. 
autism is different for everyone, whether it's like a simple learning disability or just basic articulation. I mean, just because we all think and act differently, does that mean that we couldn't do any of the same stuff that they do? Absolutely not. Autism is an underexposed part of society at the moment. There should be an opportunity for you to get gainful employment. Everywhere you read, they're not dealing with this at a corporate level. I don't know of any other organization that does it this way. It trains them, stays with them, shows them, and works with the owner of a company to fill positions. They get to make hundreds or thousands of uh, searcher boxes every day. And he'll come out and he'll go, well, I made 1,600 boxes today made me very happy. You have to make people feel that they're part of the success and the feeling of what goes on. And you're doing more than giving them a job, you're giving them a, a life opportunity. Supporting this gives you that multiplier effect you couldn't do by putting your money or effort or time anywhere else. I think this is just the beginning. He's a proud kid. He's got, he's a confidence. People appreciate what he's doing. It's just not doing a job. We have a chance to make a difference and it be successful to the running of our business. If you don't let the disability or autism define you, you define yourself. Wow. You know, Powerful big, stuff. big important issue. And when, uh, when Spectrum works and our guest that's coming on, see that Saka, he's the CEO of MTS Logistics. They sent me information about this bike tour. Okay. Um, I'm not personally impacted by, by autism, so I didn't know all the statistics, and I started looking into it, and wow, not only is it a huge problem, it's a huge problem with unemployment, getting people jobs, and mm. the it was exacerbated in two ways, Michael Vincent. One okay. was people just losing jobs, getting them back into the workforce, the, the jobs that were lost there, but also, as we learned with St. Christopher's, the fundraising that these groups needed as well sure. was impacted during sure. the pandemic. So sure. let's talk to Sidal. Let's bring him up and find out. Let's let him introduce himself and find out what this bike tour is all about. Sidat, thank you so much for spending this Friday with us. Thank you very much for inviting me and my company. Thank, thanks a lot. Uh, my name is Sedat Saka. I'm the uh, founder of and CEO of MTS Logistics. Uh, as a company, we always promote a healthy lifestyle, healthy uh, events. So in uh, 2010, uh, as part of this, we started uh, to bike together in the company with the friends, family, uh, and so on. So then we decided to add uh, something to it. Uh, something more to it. So in 2015, we decided to write a book about autism. And the book is called uh, Book of Autism. So it was a simple book, simply uh, described about autism uh, and the statistics that you are showing right now. So and uh, book was completed in 2016, and we started distributing that book uh, in our bike events uh, to every biker that joins the event. And then uh, we sold the book at Amazon, and all the, of course, uh, uh, revenue was given to uh, Spectrum Works that we work with. So it was it didn't produce a lot, though I have to admit. But uh, then we learn uh, we learn that uh, we need to do something more, which uh, we started raising money, and uh, at our events uh, we called for sponsors, we called uh, for donations, and. Uh, and uh, started with 20,000, 30,000. Last event was, uh, we raised $50,000 around. 
and this one uh, was where uh, right now 65,000 and going up. Uh, not only we provide, uh, we raise money, we also uh, provide education for that. Spectrum Works provides mm -hmm. education. And we sure. uh, give 10 packages to uh, every sponsor company, uh, the 10 education packages, which is autism yeah. in the workplace education that they provide. Yeah. Uh, so that, and who we gets with that? So that before we go any further, who gets involved with this kind of uh, with this kind of bike ride? Is it a lot of the logistics community? You are a logistics company. We do that. We in the company we have uh, people in our company. Everyone works kind of. We are another large corporation anyway. But uh, in our company, we uh, we do those kind of events. Actually, we like it. Uh, we we like to help. We like to help our community. Our company is a little bit different. We provide as a company. Uh, every employee, regardless of the, the, the position or, uh, I mean, part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. Everyone gets the free gym membership uh, throughout the year. And everyone gets a healthy meal, a healthy Friday lunch together in the company. Uh, we provide free city bikes for all our employees that uh, who they, they want to uh, bike uh, to come to our offices. So this like uh, we, uh, our employees work. So simply put. Yeah. So Sadat, so I mean, it's a very worthy cause. Obviously the unemployment rate, like you mentioned before, is yeah. high 80%, 13 times the national average. And not many people give, uh, you know, the opportunity for these people to begin with, but getting them back to work now after the pandemic is hard, yeah. but specifically Sadat, why autism? There's many, many worthy causes out there. Are you personally affected by, by autism in, in, in your personal life? Or why did autism become the one, uh, your mission? It's actually, uh, when we started, uh, we wanted to choose and uh, choose something that we want to affect the, the community. Autism affects a lot of people. As you gave the, the numbers, like one in 80 families, and if one member of the family uh, affected with autism, that family also affected with the uh, autism. So mm -hmm. one in 80 families in the United States affected with this. Yes, I am personally affected too, but uh, one of my child, last one, is uh, uh, born with autism, but we mm -hmm. didn't start uh, for my child anyway, so I have to be honest about that. So we uh, started this years ago, but my child is now is four years old only. So, uh, yes, I am affected too. And uh, at the first end, I see that it's it's tough uh, to deal with this, but we are de dealing with and other families too. But we have to do all uh, what we can uh, to uh, help uh, ease the pain for from those families. So. Well, Sadat, we, we're almost out of time, but let's uh, let's get three pieces of information out there. Uh, let's let everyone know when the bike ride is, how they can get involved, and how they can sponsor it. Sure. The bike event is June 12th, uh, Saturday. Uh, and uh, it's actually everyone can sponsor or make donations through our website uh, or go to Spectrum Works website uh, or morethanshipping.com which are blocked uh, they can go there uh, to make uh, uh, donations and uh, we also every uh, one who participates the event is gonna get uh, four free i mean uh, there's a raffle that uh, they can win uh, four free bikes 
uh, I mean, we will uh, give it right there. And two round trip tickets, worldwide round trip tickets provided by Turkish Airlines. And nice. one more thing, that is only for MTS employees, though. Uh, every child is going to get free bike. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow, excellent. Yes. Hey, so before we before let go, I gotta ask you. So I let's say I win. I'm at I'm in New York. I, I have two round trip tickets wherever Turkish Airlines go. Where do you recommend I fly to? Oh, it's uh, Turkey. <laughs> yes, Turkey. I'm originally from Turkish, so I uh, would like to yeah, Turkey is a, it's a beautiful country, especially for summer months. It's great. But uh, as you know, the world is a beautiful place. You can go in any place. Maybe the, maybe the most expensive uh, flight you should choose because it's free. So maybe uh, maybe yeah. China. But, uh, yeah, but they go, but, uh, <laughs> Make advantage it's of like free tickets. It's like you get the lobster when someone offers to take you out. Yeah, dinner, that's right? right. I'll have the lobster <laughs> and a steak sandwich. Hey, Sadat, thank you for sharing so much from, from your personal experience, from your company's experience, and for putting this bike right on we employ we implore our listeners to get involved yeah, get if they involved. can it's coming up june 12th as you said hey have a great memorial day thank you very much sir thank you have a wonderful day thanks a lot all right now we're going to take a trip to not to turkey we'll take a trip to argentina Latin that would america. be expensive and a great place to visit speaking of latin america you know who was yeah. in this chair yesterday I smart hops guillermo del uh guillermo guillermo was here He's so good. He was oh, so yeah. good when we oh, interviewed wow. him with the truck. I'm like, I got to do an insiders with you. Yeah. He showed up. He came over, sat right in that seat, got to hear, got to learn a little bit about what goes on in Venezuela. Now we're going to hear what goes down in Argentina with Pablo Mendoza Paz. He's a CMO at Avan Cargo. And, you know, I'll be honest here. This is going to be a learning experience for me. I don't know a ton about cargo in Argentina. So nah, I don't hopefully know Pablo can get us up to speed. What's yeah. up, Pablo? Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. What's, what's the music playing right now? Is that your music playing or is Stop, that... the copyright people are going to get us. Stop that mm, off. Not here. No. All right. Where's the music coming from? I don't know. Can <laughs> you hear it, Pablo? Harrison, can you turn this song nope. off? I'm not hearing anything. He doesn't hear okay. anything. Okay, hopefully the, nobody else does. So. All right, hopefully no one else does either. Um, so, hey, introduce yourself, Pablo. Okay, uh, actually, we have a change here. I'm Diego, I'm the CEO of Avancargo. Pablo had a, a family issue today, so we are changing, switching roles right now. So, sorry about that, but uh, the story about Avancargo is going to be the same. So, I'm, I'm reading about this beforehand, and it, it sounded like so you started a, 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 a digital freight company, right? Uh, digitizing yeah. the freight and trying to hook people together. They're in Argentina, correct? Exactly. Okay. And then, yeah. so it says you, you kind of, you crashed into, uh, uh, you were doing well, but the frustration was, is that the participants were still using, you know, paper and faxes and so on and weren't digitized, right? Can you talk about yeah, that experience? Yeah. It sounds like you had a brilliant idea, but a little bit too early for it, right? Well, it, it, was, a, it was a very good idea. Uh, not, uh, to be honest, we were looking about uh, on the American market and what was happening with uh, Convoy, Transfix, uh, yeah, Uber Freight, and so many others there. And in 2016, 2017, we started with the platform here in Argentina. And more or less what you said, uh, we, we face a, a market which is uh, working basically as it worked 100 years ago, pen and paper, uh, telephones, and that's it. 
no information gather, no uh, big information asymmetry and, and, and very small carriers uh, working disconnected. But one of the problems we faced was that uh, we were a little bit too early, uh, that's right. Um, in, let's say, not in the matching problem, uh, we did a pretty nice work there. We, we, we got uh, over 60,000 trucks on board and, nice. and, and well, uh, growing, but we face other problems. Basically, let's say how to um, uh, due diligence the, the, the cargo and the truckers and the shippers and um, a lot of tools that uh, in like the US or Europe, it's already done. But here in Argentina and Latin America in general, it's paper. Just checking papers. So matching, matching those, matching those carriers and making sure they had a proper insurance, safety records, yeah. that type of stuff. Is as you're talking about vetting yeah, exactly. out who are the the res- Yeah, I get it. I get it. Very By the way, guys, exactly. uh, sure, we have the earpods in like you. So we, we picked up someone's Bluetooth. All of a sudden, we were going crazy. Johnny Dun- Thunders was playing it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it absolutely was oh, yeah. for sure. It was Johnny, Thunder, is, Johnny Thunders <laughs> big down there in Argentina. <laughs> what 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 is what's culturally what is freight like in Argentina? You kind of touched on it. You said. Still kind of old-fashioned, a lot of pen, a lot of paper. You realize you need to help usher in that era of digitization. Is it a slow process down there just because of how ingrained those practices are? Because in the U.S., it's been that, it had been that way for a long time. It's starting to change. Yeah, I, I believe it's going to be a long run. Uh, you have, like, of course, sh- shipper and carriers, different stories, but uh, in some point, uh, very similar. Uh, we've we have a, 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 a harder struggle with uh, with carriers, basically with with small carriers, which are our our focus, our target uh, here in, in in the region. The average uh, fleet is uh, three trucks, three four trucks, family companies, uh, guys that uh, luckily have finished high school, and uh, it's not easy for them to change how how, how they operate, to learn new tools, uh, etc. But on the other way, we are also a little bit um, shocked about how low digitization is with uh, shippers. And here we are not talking about small uh, shippers uh, or small companies, but uh, I don't know, companies like Walmart, Carhill, and many others, which are still not using TMS, are still gathering information by email, uh, closing trips by telephone. So it's like a double-sided problem. And in that way, um, well, basically what we did and what we are working last uh, year and a half is developing a little bit more deep the technology in order to give them more tools that those that we imagined at first uh, we were going to develop. Uh, Let's say uh, we are offering a free TMS for for shippers. We are also, we start building here in Argentina and we are doing the same now for Uruguay, uh, like, uh, let's say like a kind of DOT, uh, a proprietary tool to check on insurance, on registries and and, and permits. And basically what we are doing is trying to fill in the gaps that market is. That's amazing stuff. I want to because I want to make sure people are understanding yeah. what he's doing here, right? You you went out there to digitize and connect shippers and carriers, right? And figured out that 
the basic infrastructure of data and digital data wasn't there. Yeah. So you're basically exactly. building the DOT databases. You're you're building these different things. Is that what you're saying here? This is what I'm picking up, right? Uh, exactly. We, uh, to put in numbers, we already connect uh, 14 APIs to our platform. Uh, we are right now uh, building a new product, which uh, is going to be independent from Avancargo. It, it can work together with the platform, but also it can be consumed uh, by the market in order to, to check this. Basically, we are talking about uh, checking online uh, the truck registry, the company registry, uh, financial information, uh, past record, and, and well, but all to do with uh, due diligence uh, work. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds like you, you've got your hands full. Uh, what project's next for you? And where do we send people who want to learn more about Avancargo and experience the beauty of Argentina? <laughs> okay. Uh, we are based now in Buenos Aires, uh, working in Argentina since 2017. Uh, we are opening Uruguay right now, this next uh, quarter, and with plans to develop uh, the same uh, platform in Chile, Colombia, and Peru in the next year. Um, basically, avancargo.com is our website, and there are all the information. Excellent Thanks. stuff. Thanks. Hey, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you, guys. So, so June 12th, you go, you get in with the uh, Spectrum Works yeah. bike ride, right? Yeah. You, you get in a raffle, you win the free tickets, you fly to Buenos Aires and hook up with Paulo. Does Turkish Airlines fly to Argentina? I don't know. We have to find that out. Yeah. Okay. Out. Let's check the schedule. Check the schedules after the show. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know every part it says. I am it. not a representative of Turkish Airlines. Hey, good news. You're live on air. Bad news. Spotify just started playing on your computer and is playing Johnny Cunders in your ear. And nobody else can hear you except for us two. That's right. Because, uh, hey, a little behind the scenes, we're sharing the same fear of Yeah, a little bit. As gross as that may sound. We did sterilize. I'll tell you yeah. that much. All right. Time for a little good news, bad news. We got the bumper. Maybe not. I don't know if you want to do that. We may. I don't think we have to somebody else. We got it today. We might get something else. <laughs> All right. Could have called my kid down here. He could, he could do it. Uh, he could do it in person. Well, there you go. Good. Yeah, that's right. He's they great. went to the park. Oh, We're picking up some pipes. It's still, easy. it's still hard to get pipes. I don't know. I haven't looked for one. All right. We need to get muted on the back end. Here myself yeah. again. All right. Good news. Your scheme to dress as a Lowe's employee and steal that. Now, see, this is a heist. Is oh yeah, this is, this is definitely a heist. Yeah, yeah. The other one. What do you call that? Like, what do you call just finding something and making a poor decision? Yeah, is it? Um, I think that's it right there. There's like a German poor word life decision. There's always these awesome German words. Like, yeah, there are. You're right. There's one that like talks just... about um, depression eating, and it literally translates to grief bacon. Grief bacon. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, like sending fraud when you take joy and pleasure in someone else. Um, you know, someone else's misery. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, so you're skiing. You dress up as a Lowe's employee, uh, as, as you were just saying. You dress up as a Lowe's employee. You put a bunch of wire on that pallet jack. Thousands of dollars worth of wire. Pr- I mean, cops are, right? Good news, you made it out. You made yeah. it out. the bad news. You're already seeing it right now. The, uh, they got him on CCTV. <laughs> the police are looking for him. That May 16th heist is uh, caught on camera. Now, Columbus police are looking for you. They are. But, I mean, look, the mask. Yeah. No visible tattoos. Nope. He's in good shape. And he's got a Lowe's outfit. He's fine. And hopefully he took that Lowe's outfit off. I mean, that's cool. maybe good news too. Here's another good news. I mean, Amazon is starting to focus on employees' well-being in their warehouses, my friend. Oh. It's called Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. Okay. They're small and closed booths that workers can day. retreat into. <laughs> yeah. Can retreat into and focus on their uh 
on their minds, to get their minds in order. Check it out, bro. Look at this. You're hoofing it around this warehouse. You're picking stuff. You're feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit depressed or something. Your mind's not quite right. Jump yourself into an Amazon. How long's the line? Um, I, I probably got to wait <laughs> five, six minutes. I don't know how to get in there. <laughs> but here's the bad news for Amazon, right? Yeah. Um, as you can maybe guess, they're being mocked all over the internet for doing this, which is they're criticizing. Uh, you know, they have long, you know. Demanding KPIs. Very demanding KPIs yeah. and, and, and long stressful hours, lack of restrooms and all that other kind of stuff. And so now online they're calling them, as you can see here, uh, what are they called here? The despair closet. The despair closet. The despair closet. I like, I like the comment where someone said that they would be better off just putting a porta potty there. And, and if you remember during the yeah. pandemic, there were these articles about Amazon. There's the controversy about Amazon employees urinating in bottles. Yeah, that's and exactly right. Amazon had denied it, but then a memo came out uh, to a warehouse, an Amazon memo saying that, you know, workers, please stop peeing in bottles, something akin to that, allegedly. Um, so those complaints are still there. I don't know. Would, you, would a Zen booth, uh, would that placate you? you, think you uh, it depends on what's in that booth. I mean, from what I understand, you go in there and you can, like, interact with learning about uh, uh, mind matters and, and, and mental health. Really? It really, it's not like you go in there and you're in a, you know. Like a corporate video. And <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a like, corporate video or something. Mad like, Max shows up. I don't know. Max I, I know. shows up on there. I mean, it says, hey, at least we bought MGM Studios. Well, maybe they'll start playing some MGM Studios. <laughs> <Right. laughs> maybe that, maybe yeah. that's what's next inside there. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, this one, here's a little, this one depends on your perspective. So this yeah, one is good news, bad news. And it's one of those ones where it depends on where you sit on this one. But CLA reports that earlier this month, Auto Safety Group AAA, right, and partner Harvard Kennedy School's Belt for Center for Science and International Affairs. They released this results of a survey, and they were looking into public sentiment on autonomous vehicles being on the road, autonomous trucks, and autonomous cars. Not really surprised with these results, so the survey found that 53% of respondents felt less safe about sharing the road yes. with self-driving semi-trucks. Now, they're not sharing the roads yet, so obviously still a lot of like fear, confusion. How will they work? How will they interact? Only 11% of respondents, though, trusted technology and felt that they would, they would be safer with their 12% said that there was no difference in safety when sharing the road with self-driving electric trucks. They don't care. 24% still not sure. They're undecided. 62% said they want clear markings on the vehicle. So they want to know for sure that it's a ghost pilot. Um, and 60% want designated lanes for self-driving vehicles. I'll tell you this. They put in self-driving lanes for, self, for, for these vehicles. First of all, where are they going to put it? But second of all, how angry are you going to be that they now took a lane away on the road that you want to drive in? Yeah, it'll probably be the left-hand lane that yeah. they'll take, or the I, express lanes is what they'll do. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I yeah, this is um, it's interesting, man. <laughs> well, AAA, the LN, the, the key areas of focus to deal with driver concern about self-driving vehicles. We're really trying to solve this problem, as you know, in the news letter we talked about Germany allowing self-driving trucks to It's only a matter of time before here in the United States. But this is what they say that we got to get over. Self-driving vehicles have to demonstrate safe and predictable behavior as defined yes. by regulators when in use on public roads and highways. Self-driving vehicles operate consistently as designed, so people want to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Uh, fair enough. The public clearly understands who would be responsible in the event of a crash and a self-driving vehicle. Uh, okay. Well, for insurance, for those kind of like you rear end somebody, someone rear ends you, you can you share your insurance paperwork, right? You know sure. What you do? What do you do when a robot hits you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the procedure for it. Yeah. yeah like that makes sense to me. 
what's the procedure? Who's at fault? Where's liability? Yes. Actually, in Alan Adler's newsletter, Truck Talk, and I borrowed some of it for, for my newsletter when I was talking about autonomous yeah. vehicles, was Liberty Mutual is already thinking about this. Liberty Mutual well, they, yeah. is definitely too simple to come up That's with an right. insurance product to address. Well, this. And they need to because it's got to be clearly how do you interact with a, a driverless vehicle when something like that happens too. I think some of this stuff inside here is, is I kind of read some of this stuff as be fair, careful what you wish for. Yeah. Imagine how bad it's going to be driving down a, the highway and there's a clearly marked semi that is driverless. Yeah. The rubbernecking and the scared and the slowing oh, down yeah. and the traffic. You, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. Why do you need to know beforehand if nothing happens that it is or isn't? It sounds like that, a pebble, but it's one that makes big reference. Yeah, exactly. Be careful. Be yeah, careful I can agree of the with you there. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to happen one way or another. That's the other thing. They probably easily, quickly identify ways to share the road with a self-driving vehicle. I mean, that, uh, yeah, it's fair. I can see the, I'd like to hear the debates. Yeah, I'd like to hear the debates yeah. too. Uh, because you got to be careful a little bit. So here's some good news for you, my friend. Tesla finished their Gigafactory in Austin in record time. Yeah, I saw that. Excuse record me. time, man. It is kicking butt. Everybody's celebrating. Here's the bad news, though. They didn't check out all the laws in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> right? You think a kind of seasoned company may have, but... Yeah, there might be a well, corporate legal a, counsel might be being questioned right now. Wasn't it a bit, Uncle a bit of an emotional move, too? Elon yes. was mad at the policymakers no, in California? Elon doesn't make knee-jerk reactions. He doesn't. <laughs> He's oh, no, well, he's well thought out. <laughs> What's his problem in Texas? So now? Texas built Teslas need to be shipped out of the state before it can uh, be sold, <laughs> right? And yeah. so before it can be sold, they have to ship it out of the state and back to the Lone Star State buyers. Now, this is really confusing, but according to the drive under Texas franchise law, which are similar to those in most other states as well, automator, automakers like Toyota and General Motors cannot sell you a car. They must sell the cars to independently owned third-party businesses like a car dealership. Yeah. Tesla doesn't do that. So any Texan can go online and order Tesla through the company's website, but no orders may be placed or processed within any Texas facility owned by Tesla. Well, it sounds like they could change that pretty quick, though. Elon's got some stroke. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can lobby, right? Well, he is trying to lobby for this, but the problem is that on May 31st, yep. that's only a few <laughs> days from now. That's, yeah, over the long weekend. <laughs> The legislature goes on its break. It's not a very long break. It's only to 2023. <laughs> what happened in 2022? <laughs> what are these, like cicadas? Like they just go under the earth? Apparently they are. What are legislators doing? I don't know. Know what I hate about this? This is one of those laws that is clearly from like a lobby. Some lobbying group decided that dealerships have to It's sell like cars. the blue laws when you couldn't buy beer on a Sunday or something but like that. Right? They have this in Massachusetts. Like you can't walk through Boston County without a musket. But right, yeah, that's illegal. Yeah, illegal. Right, right, right. Like, right. you don't have to enforce these arcane laws. Yeah. But, but I guess there's a big enough lobby and there's enough dealerships. Really, remember, if you remember, Tesla had dealerships for a little while. They did, very short. They, they got yeah. rid of them. They, they got did. rid of them. They had their own mall. Well, so they're getting around it different ways, though. I mean, it's kind of confusing. It's but. Like, yeah, but it's wasteful. They got to send yeah. documents like Nevada. They got to send Yeah, they send the, the documents there. and pay to payment in Nevada. The car was then shipped to a service yeah. center, and then they could go and pick it up from the service center. So they technically didn't deliver it and sell it. And and now every Cybertruck, too, which is, yeah. is crazy thing about it. Now, good news right before you go off. If you buy a ticket to F3 today through Memorial Day, you're going to get an Apple TV 4K yes. for free. Go to live.freightways.com. 
Click on F3. Uh, you also get promo code WTT. You'll save 200 bucks. Yeah. I'm not sure if the two promotions align. Go to the site and test it out. Uh, bad news, if you wait till Memorial Day, you'll lose out. We will not be here on Monday. Okay. We are away. Land of the free because of the brave. Take it easy. Thank you for your service. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to beat his Peace and love. Spread it everywhere. Thank you.